Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I spent, have spent a lot of time in AAA. Now I'm in indie. Um, in AAA, I worked on a bunch of different games, including Bioshock 2 uh, and its DLC, Minerva's Den. Uh which I'm really proud of. It's good. Um, and then we co-founded, or I am co-founded, me and Steve Gaynor founded Fulbright uh, seven years ago and made Gone Home and Tacoma. And now we're making something else, but I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so uh, the basics are, you can really learn a lot in AAA if you're going to go indie. And it's really cool to have a paying job <laughs> and be able to learn things that will benefit you later. Very good. Um, so I came up as an animator. This is what animators look like. They look like, uh, what's his face? Um, I totally can't remember what his name is. is um, Savory? It's Ward Kimball. Um, okay. That's who it is. Anyway, he's a goof. Uh, that's That wasn't me. Uh, I will never be that good, and that's life. Um, instead, I am not an animator anymore. Uh, I co-run Fulbright. And my path here was weird. Um, like, I didn't do... Um, I don't know, I think a lot of people think that you're like, they're like, you're an entrepreneur. You started a, a company. You must have been trained for this. Ha ha ha. No. Um, so, like, uh, normally when you start out... Um, in an art discipline especially, your career path is, like, really well-defined and really narrow. Um, nobody... I can't just sneeze on me. Uh, nobody really expects you to do a lot of broad things, and especially in art. Um, and so I started out in art and then began to branch out, but I was only really able to do that when I was at 2K Marin, uh, which was people who made Bioshock 2. Um, and if it hadn't been for that job where I got to, like, do more things in the industry, I probably would have burnt out entirely and left the game industry. Um, part of that is because animation's a lot, and I was never really a good enough animator to achieve, like, the best skills. Um, I spent a long time just kind of being like, I'll try harder. But I think what I really needed was um, some really... Uh, targeted mentorship and it didn't work out that way um so in the absence of that uh i determined that what i needed was more variety in my day-to-day -day activities because when you're an animator in a big studio you can seriously you can honest to god end up just being like animating you know transitions between uh animation states all day every day i actually uh i worked on zoo tycoon 2 and uh, when it came time for layoffs, one of the people, apart from me, who got laid off was the guy who modeled all the animal poop. The guy. <laughs> he did that. Um, and, like, it wasn't his entire job. I think he also did rocks. 
uh, and some other stuff. But like, man, you can get specialized like crazy in AAA. And it's, for me, it's bad. Some people, they really want to be good at the poop modeling. Bless their hearts. Um, so anyway, um, so because I left the standard animator career path, um, I learned uh, so much at 2K Marin that it basically formed the basis for everything I use daily at Fulbright. So let's see. Um, I didn't do a lot of cool slides for this one. Sorry, it would have been it would have been a really abstract. Uh, AAA companies that employ you aren't always incentivized to help you grow. That is sort of a, a central problem. They hire you, they want you to already be able to do the job with hardly any ramp up time, because that's you know what they need for their um, scheduling. Uh, you can conceivably get hired as an intern, for example, and move into a full-time role, but it's pretty uncommon to be hired as a junior dev with the company really having your future path in mind. Like they seldom are like, we're gonna hire you and you're gonna be here for 10 years and we're gonna, here's where you're gonna end up then, you know, like that just doesn't happen. Um, it's much more common for the company to wanna see if you work out first. And by the time they see that the project might be over and you might be going to work somewhere else, uh, but there's more of you out there that they can get. So they're not too worried about it. Um, when I was in AAA, it was normal to be on a team for a project or two and then move on like really a couple of years uh, for, you know, for your growth at a company. Before Fulbright, the longest I stayed at a studio was four years and that was 2K Marin. And that seemed like a really long time at the time. That was multiple projects. Uh, two or two and a half years was more common, was more usual for me. In fact, I have a good friend who, for a really long time, uh, has gotten laid off or the studio like collapses under her every two and a half years, like clockwork. <laughs> it's weird. It's like to the month. Um, so this that I'm describing is a landscape where it's much more likely for a worker to change jobs in order to get a promotion rather than looking for one inside their own company. So by definition, the company cannot really do much about stewarding growth because they don't see it. Like it doesn't happen under their watch. Um, and this is of course, even aside from the basic promotion problem that the game industry sees a lot of um, where a good worker on a team is promoted to leading it or a sub team or whatever. And it's an entirely different skill set that they may or may not even get training for. And then the team is short one really good person. So it's really rough. Like this is a problem that hasn't been solved. Uh, the industry still super does this. Uh, nowadays, uh, career paths are starting to pop up that are called like craftsperson or expert kind of roles uh, where you just get deeper and more precise in your discipline and become the expert on it that other people in the company consult and the mentor of newer people who want that role but this idea has not really spread everywhere so it's hard to count on it so studios want your output to be predictable and like possibly larger or better but seldom different they want you to fit into their plans and predictions and org charts and you will understand this if you start your own company uh it is very tempting to want to treat employees as predictable work outputs for planning purposes like 
any leg up you can get for planning such a big and weird project as a game needs all the predictability it can get, honestly, but still you need to think about people as people and what they want and what they need. Um, if you're lucky, the AAA studio you're at has a, tr a career track you can follow that you actually want, and they like explain this to you and give you the choice and the chance to follow it. Um, I have a story which I'm actually going to cut down because I think otherwise I'm going to get like really long um, where basically I was at a company and I got sent to GDC with um, a bunch of other people and when I came back my manager was like so uh, why didn't you go to any art direction and art manager talks and I was like what <laughs> excuse me so like first of all he like just completely assumed that that was a natural um, progression for my career and thought it was so obvious he didn't even mention it to me. And like secondary uh, of secondary importance was the fact that like that wasn't what I wanted at all back then. Um, so I like kind of dodged a bullet there, like out of obliviousness. Um, but it worked out okay. Hilariously, nowadays I do a lot of art manager stuff, <laughs> but I probably wouldn't have retained it this long. Um, so yeah, in uh, in AAA. Um, it's, it's a pain to hire people. So like, if you're a good fit with the team in other ways, then just can you do the job? Can you have the output? You can sometimes move around a little bit. You can get your nose into other things, other aspects of a game. Usually this involves doing extra work on top of your everyday thing. If it's something you're interested in learning, it's hopefully less onerous. Sometimes you go through time periods or jobs, entire jobs, where you just don't have the time or energy to delve into another discipline. If you don't have the extra brain space for learning on the job for long periods of time, your job might be taking up too much of your mental resources and you're probably headed for burnout, so that's bad in general. Uh, people you work with who you know are your peers but in a different discipline, don't necessarily like jump out of the woodwork to help you or like care enough to put in the effort. Uh, you know, poking your nose into another discipline can be hard and weird. And maybe at any given particular job, it might not just be possible. Uh, the obstacles might be too much for you to get anywhere with this. Um, I, and some of those obstacles can come from you. Uh, when I was on Zhujaikun 2, I wanted to learn more about the design part of the job. And I didn't have the assertiveness to bug people for assistance, so I looked at the XML docs, which were where a lot of uh, design stuff was happening. And I learned a little, but I wasn't able to try out changes, basically, in those docs by myself due to pipeline stuff. There was, like, barriers between me and testing what I was doing, and that is just the kiss of death if you're trying to learn on your own. And I was too nervous and, like, felt sort of ungrateful to ask a higher up for help with it because I, I thought that they would not want me to step outside my niche and they'd be like, well, how can you be doing your, the job we're paying you for if you're doing this? And, and I, was too, I was too nervous to look like a bad employee to really like branch out. Kind of a bad choice, uh, but it, was, it wasn't exactly set up to make it easy. Um, in a larger company, it's structurally uh, you know, great. It's good to learn new skills there. Sometimes, you completely luck out and everyone's learning something you want to learn. Like a department is switching to new software when you're hired. It's happened to me once. The first 
game company that I worked at um, was in the process of switching from Lightwave 3D to Maya. And so I just got to learn Maya along with the entire art department. And it was so cool. They actually sent us to classes and everything. It was amazing. I don't know if that happens nowadays at all, but it is nice when it happens. Um, big companies have more potential to have people at more levels of mastery and specialization, which means you can find someone tailored to help you out. Um, there's usually someone to ask stuff just by virtue of there being more people to ask, uh, who'll be happy to let you mess around a little and show you where stuff is, unless the company is very unhappy and everyone's miserable. Can't really do much about that. Uh, larger companies can potentially have more available niches for you to fit into, even weird ones. They might have all kinds of weird roles that smaller companies can't get away with. Uh, smaller companies, you know, sometimes might have to be like, no, seriously, we need all these animations done, uh, rather than a large company being like, we have a lot of animators. It's okay. You can, if you do a little something else, maybe, you know, if you get most of your job done, it'll work out. Eh. Um, I, let's see, one of the things that I did um, when I was in 2K Marin is I just got into work, dealing with the subtitles, subtitle system. I somehow ended up to be the owner of the subtitle system just because I kind of dug in there. Nobody else was really paying attention to them. And they were in a format where I could edit them easily. And so I just became the de facto owner of the subtitles in all the languages. So it was a lot of Loke stuff. And I still managed to break the build multiple times with subtitles, uh, but it was, it was cool and I learned a lot. Um, you have to feel secure in your role in the company in order to feel safe enough to try new things. If this like talking about this stuff sounds too scary, it might be hard to get something positive out of this course of action because you might not feel right about it. And like, it's really hard to just force yourself to do something that's terrifying. Um, some disciplines are hard to take this tactic with. If a lot of specific tools and software are necessary for what you want to learn, it might be an obstacle because you might not be able to get them. Um, so learning broad, um, broadly in general learning, uh, it gives you confidence and insight. It gives you, like the more you learn about how a game is made, the more, you know, I mean, the more effective you will be, the, the better a worker you will be in any context. You now know more of what you're doing. You know more about what you're working on. You know how things fit together. You won't, you're less likely to make a choice that works for one part of dev, but not for another. It's cool. Um, in general, learning how things work is fun and interesting. It's good for you cognitively. And if you strike out on your own, you will need it because like sort of by definition, you're a smaller company. All you have is your collective knowledge, like the knowledge of everyone that you start your company with. That's what you've got to work with. So the more knowledge you have in there, the better your company will be. Um, when you're starting your own company, there's no other expert for you to walk across the office and ask you, if you don't have anybody, you're, you know, if your potential indie, indie studio doesn't have a UI department that you can just kind of like chat with and bounce ideas off of, and like, you don't probably have a couple of sound guys where you can ask one of them what the best naming convention is and like why they use it now and they used to use another one. Any number of things, all these things that are hard to um, like do asynchronously, it's like you when you think about the difficulties of uh, 
running a, running a studio, you're like, well, I can email someone and ask for advice, but it's just not the same as being able to turn around and ask someone, come back a second later for something you forgot or do something, ask them for feedback, things like that. It's just, it makes things so much easier. It really is much more, um, it's much more, uh, positive an experience. Uh, you can, yeah, you can ask people that, you know, some of these things and talking in person is usually better. Uh, people, importantly, people teaching you while on the job are getting paid to teach you <laughs> technically. So when you write to someone for help, they're helping you for free. So that's just something to bear in mind. Uh, additionally, for you, learning on the AAA job is safer. There's more people to help you clean up a mess, like me breaking the, you know, build with subtitles, which should not have happened, but here we are. Uh, there's more chances for people to talk you through it. So, you know, if you get stuck, you can get redirected. Stakes are overall lower because mistakes can be caught by experts instead of missed for months by novices. Uh, like if you make a mistake when you've already started your studio and it's something that has long-term repercussions, you might not know for a really long time and that could really get you into trouble. Um, I assume that all of you watching this have the social intelligence not to like get into a situation where you will straight up get fired for trying to learn some not your job aspect of game dev just don't want to get emails about them. Um, so yeah, I'm starting to end here. Uh, it's good to learn how things can go in the industry. Uh, here, I'll click on this. Um, without them being your problem and your problem alone, nobody expects you to solve the problem, the communication problems between, let's say, engineering and design, but you can watch how they play out while you're in a big company. You can watch what things, what happens. Make sure, and you make sure you figure out why things are going wrong, if they're going wrong. Understand it. Uh, like, think about how you would rearrange the system to fix the problem, because you're going to be making systems, and you might have similar problems to this. Like, when you start a studio, you're making a system for people to get work done, and you have to be able to, like, debug it, you know? Uh, if you can't figure out uh, how you would rearrange the system to fix the problem, at least you can define the problem precisely. Like, you know, this guy's behavior is, is uh, correct for his previous job. It's not correct here. We need to talk to him and get him to knock it off. Even if you don't have the authority to ask him to knock it off, at least you know what the problem is rather than that guy's a dick. Um, don't just complain about broken stuff or annoying people because it doesn't help. It It's good to complain when you have something like concrete to complain about. It's good to complain to higher ups when there is a problem that can be addressed. It's good. It's really good to complain when some, someone has actually, someone has hurt you. Um, these are really good things to talk about. But if you're just aimlessly being like, that guy fucking sucks. Um, can I swear on this? I hope so. God. Um, but anyway, it can be really fun to, thank you. It can be fun to complain a directionally, but it reinforces your powerlessness. It really like it builds up your social structure around complaining 
and not feeling capable to do anything about it, which is bad enough when you're inside that structure, but it's much worse when you have your own company and you do have the power to change things, but you don't think you can, or you don't know how. So like getting stuck in that mindset where you are like, there's a problem here, but not going any deeper than that. It's bad for you when you're the one in charge. <laughs> um, last note, uh, while you're in AAA, try to hang out with people in different departments. It's really easy to just be friends with people in your own discipline. It's sort of expected, like, but you can learn so much from people who aren't in your discipline, just how they chat, like go to lunch with them. And I used to hang out with um, designers a lot in some past jobs. I've literally learned like all my design chops from just like talking with people in that way. And it's so much it's it's just like you really can get a lot um from just listening to people listening to what people will just tell you and just chat about and hear about what their problems are that's also helpful for an indie studio is knowing what the standard complaints and problems and positive things are for people in every discipline um so finally um, it really helps to not have your first experience with an aspect of game dev be after going indie. <laughs> so when you work in AAA, if you work in it, it's a great opportunity to pile up knowledge and understanding that will become a reservoir for you to draw on once you're out on your own. Um, you have access to a lot of people who know their jobs really well, and you should make use of them. Bug people, get, get knowledge. It's, it will, you'll use it. Um, okay. There's my Twitter handle, and you can look at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love your sense of self-promotion. So, like, there it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. We make no, video games, dude. That's so awesome. Thank you for sitting down with us to basically indulge in our, or to enrich our audience with everything that you've been able to pick up at running a company, especially a big one like Fulbright. Yeah, we're over here yeah. running a podcast and we're like jesus christ man this is oh, <laughs> yeah one episode a week P oh pushing pushing our mics around <laughs> and this is all management that we have here that's a whole thing brandon you, you know about uh how much you can learn in a triple a company it's like of course man you you understand all this of course uh that is the best place to soak up knowledge a lot of people the whole points of, of, of GDUX is to kind of like encourage people to start asking around, start thinking about these things because I think we get lost uh, in comfortableness by going to a nine to five job and just clocking in and clocking out and just right. just letting opportunities kind of walk by you. You know, that person I never talked to in that quarter in the audio department, maybe I should listen to him or her about his opinions or her opinions. Yeah. And what actually do you do here type of thing? Oh, yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> because we I can all assume. I love this image. I love this image of you just like walking up to somebody and be like, all right, what? what, what? <laughs> here's, here's some buttons. I see some buttons. Hey, some buttons. I can do all this. Come on. Nah, get out of here. <laughs> but it's very true. Like a lot of people that are watching right now are sitting at their desk. And outside of maybe within an arm's reach, right? Those are your crew. That's your crew that you lunch with talk with and do all your yeah. work with right even outside of my little office sometimes or cubicle right my i don't really know a lot of people much 
Uh, and it's weird like that. Uh, you really just interact with people that sits next to you. Uh, and, totally. and that needs to change. That needs to change because networking, if anything, opens up opportunities and it gives yeah. you more chances to kind of grow. Uh, so I definitely sign off on that. <laughs> it's the whole like you don't know what you don't know thing mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you don't know what you're missing by not talking to people you don't normally talk to. But what's what's really cool about that is let's say you do go fishing and you do find like one thing. That one thing may have so many new branches, right? Where you're like, oh, yeah. damn, not only did I not know this, but now I'm seeing 10 to 15 other different like relatable areas that I can yeah. now explore and discover. And so that gives you opportunity for so much growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. one question I did want to ask you and while I was paying attention to uh, your presentation, knowing that you started in animation and now are mm-hmm. essentially running the company, do you feel like you get an opportunity to still explore your own creative side or creative interests in game development while you're doing a lot of management and day-to-day company architecture? Less so these days. Um, I Oh, sorry, if I unshared. Anyway, whatever. Um, it's okay. Uh, yeah, less so these days. I'm more involved in running the company, um, but I do get to uh, help out with our team a lot. Um, I do a lot of really close work with them, and so it... So they're they're doing the the creativity for me. It's it's very nice. Uh, no, it's it's um there's honestly it's it's moving the creativity thing. It's I don't really I don't make a lot of images anymore. On Tacoma, I made a lot of uh, graphic design stuff also, but like it's it's like a my. My dad once told me that, like, you know, really any job is like it has some sort of creative aspect. It's like you have you have a system that you're working within, and you have to like cleverly operate within it. And it's like that does take creativity, even if it doesn't, um, even if it doesn't sound like you're making cool paintings. <laughs> So yeah. I've got a question straight from the Twitch audience. Uh, this comes from Typhoo. Question is, what's been the most frustrating part of running your own business or something that you oh, weren't man. expecting, for example? Oh, man. So the thing that is mostly in my head lately is just, is kind of what I was talking about, where, like, you can't really ask people for help. <laughs> like, when when you're trying to run the, the business, it's like, you know, if you have a real specific question, like I say, you can email somebody. But, like, just little day-to-day stuff, you're like, did I do that right? Did I handle that situation well? Like, did I run that meeting in a good way? And, like, there's nobody you can ask for confirmation on it. Like, you can't, you know, yeah, you can't get some other manager to be like, that's not how you talk to people. This is how you do it. Or whatever. Like, it's just nobody else is there. And so you have to just kind of rely on what you know, which is... Um, it's it's harder to if you need to learn something you basically have to teach it to yourself and that can be really exhausting (laughs) so like that is that is that can get frustrating uh for me because i like to learn from other people uh i have another question from hoxie 3d uh, how would you recommend starting up a studio with limited indie studio experience? I don't expect it to happen next year, but I'm trying to build up an overall game plan, uh, pun mildly intended. Nice. Um, let's see. Uh, probably, you probably straight up want to just talk to a number of small indie for advice just talk to them and ask them how they did it because the thing is that we started our studio seven years ago and the landscape is not the same um if 
uh, like one of the, here's a dumb example is we incorporated our first company as an LLC. And then we determined that that was like annoying for taxes. And so then we changed the type of company, but like, that's a pain and just all this dumb little stuff like that. It's like, what kind of company where, where will you incorporate? Um, like, you know, how are you going to budget? Like, there's so many things. Um, I think there is, I don't, there's a number of, um, really nice, uh, people like, uh, Rami is probably a good resource, um, for just basics. I swear to God, there's like some sort of, uh, basic kit for like how to start a small company out there somewhere. Like you pretty much want to like ask around because everybody's going to have slightly different advice and hopefully it'll be a little more up to date than mine. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like I, I found that uh, a lawyer is actually pretty resourceful to get you started. Uh, yeah. A lot of times they tell us business ventures that we didn't even think about. <laughs> but Oh, I know, uh, but they're not cheap. <laughs> they're not cheap at all. So we yeah, had to pay. That's the whole thing. But we what you do advice. is you start a podcast and you bite them off and then you, you ask all the questions for that hourly uh, advertising for them. Yeah. But yeah. There's, there's just so much stuff. <laughs> it's just all those things. Yeah. I'll say this though, like seven years of experience, you don't, you know, don't discredit your experience being relevant because <laughs> you're still in business, right? You may be seven years away from starting, but you definitely have a lot of information on sustaining, running and growth. You know, so I guess what was probably the biggest thing that surprised you about the growth of your company? Do you find that oh, yeah. maybe it, it was behind success? Did you, even with success, still take like accurate plan, like methodical steps? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how did you guys like look at going from one game to two to three? Like what happened for your growth and what decisions did you actually say, yeah. okay, this is a decision towards growth that we're going to do? Yeah, um, we definitely want to not grow big ever because we've been in big companies and it's just a whole nother job to run them. So we want to keep small so everyone gets to have a voice and people get to contribute more. Um, right now we're at, I think, nine. Uh, we've got, we got a couple contractors, so you could conceivably say ten. Um, but... Uh, Sorry, uh, but Tacoma was a couple fewer. It was about seven. And Gone Home was four full-time people. Uh, so we've grown, like, percentage-wise, a lot. But by actual numbers, hardly at all. Uh, and weirdly, uh, yeah, we, we planned this very carefully because we don't want to increase our overhead such that we get caught in the, we have this many people, so we need to pay their salaries, so we need to take you know, any contract that comes around so we can make enough money to keep paying them. And then you run yourself into the ground that way. Uh, It's just not a good mindset. Um, Also, weirdly, the overhead of running a company changes a lot between about six or seven and nine or 10. It start like you need a producer at that point at like 10 people. You need a producer. If you don't have a producer, you're going to be sad. Um, actually, that's that's good in the studio starting advice. If you want to be bigger than about seven people, plan to get a producer, and they should have experience in the game industry because otherwise, one of you is going to have to. Uh, one of the you know other people is going to have to do it, and 
You're gonna need them. They to might not have the skills. Yeah. 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 And it's always awkward to like say you're not working out in a small studio <laughs> i can i feel like it's a lot more intense like there's used to be seven of us now there's six and you really feel that the presence absence. not being there anymore as a group and it's, a, oh, it's yeah. an awkward situation because if anything i i, I presume that in any studio there the you most likely will reach out to people you worked with before instead of a stranger. And so it gets a lot more awkward if it's like, hey, it's not working out. I'm sorry. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that definitely does happen. But, like, it's also, it's, having an indie studio is potentially, uh, um, it does give you the opportunity to um, bring new people into the industry. So, potentially, you can get people who you haven't worked with before, but then that's also a gamble because you haven't worked with them before. Also, if you worked with someone in a previous company and it worked out great, and now you bring them into your smaller company, as I think you imply, it's just a different situation and they might not do as well. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I've always heard small studios word gets around fast. (laughs) (laughs) So what's, uh, what's been the best joy that you've had, I guess, currently and forgive us if any of this stuff comes from the podcast as well i i do like to ask repeat questions especially when i know we're bringing someone to a new audience but what's been one of your biggest joys i guess in growing the company thus far uh oh man um let's see i mean we have what like uh, growing the company is in itself uh, a joy like it's actually really it's really nice feeling to be able to give cool people who do cool things a job and help support them and bring their ideas and interests into your company. Like I, it's great. It's great for everyone involved. Like we hired um, uh, Nina, who is going to be on your show tomorrow, I think. Um, and She's like day three, great. Um, but like, yeah, she has been nothing but a joy at the company and it's just like we're lucky to have brought her on and it's great um it's really cool to just be able to be like you're a cool smart person even if you don't have any game industry like you know large triple a experience or whatever let's see what you can do and it often works out great we have such nice good um agreeable like smart ass people it's really um it's it's a cool thing to build a company it can be really good well then what ends up being one of the biggest things that challenges you guys and again not in regards to size but just say the dynamic of your company and the marketplace that you guys exist in right now what ends up being something like very challenging for you guys this time around okay so here's something this is this is pretty real remote people Mm. We are. We have a lot. We have more remote people this time around, and it changes the dynamics a lot. And it's hard. You have to hire for different skill sets when you need people to be remote. Like just the whole idea of they have to communicate what they're doing all the time. They have to tell you what's up all by themselves they have to like just push their status at you constantly or else they just fall off your radar if they don't communicate 
they're gone and that means that like uh, you know unless they're just being a producer for themselves like you don't know what they're doing and they don't know what you're doing and it's just like you're not you know behaving as a team um so yeah it's it is i know it can work really well but we're sort of half and half right now and it's definitely like it's more difficult than i thought uh i definitely thought that you know hey we're we use the internet all the time what's the difference but there is kind of um there's some specific skills of just like spontaneous status updates and like uh video calls every you know every day for no reason just like chat with your coworkers, talk about little things over video calls instead of over slack um or whatever that just help kind of like tie you together and help people understand uh what you're doing rather than you just kind of being out of sight out of mind and but it's it's another it's a bunch of other stuff to worry about it's different skills yeah well i've got a, another question for you this one i believe is also coming from uh Twitch or no Discord? It looks like to make this question a little easier to read. When choosing people to work with, uh, how do non-work related things come into play, like external interests and tastes? Interesting. Um, they're def- that's definitely a little, a little squishy. Um, I think that it's kind of unavoidable in even these kind of like transactional relationships like this where you're like we're hiring you to do a job for money um even in situations like that you do interviews and you want to like the person like you want you're not going to hire somebody who you're like boy mm, mm, i have to look at them every day and i'm not real excited about it like you want to like them and so it's actually this is really common in fact, it's pretty much universal that especially small companies have a significant founder effect, which means that you can kind of tell that everyone on a team was chosen by the founders or, you know, if the company gets a little bigger, people close to them, you know, like you can hire people and then they can hire people conceivably. But it sets the tone. When you are a small company that's bringing people on especially slowly they you bring them on to fit in a team and if they super don't fit you might you probably won't hire them so like there's no real way to be like get into the same things that they're into like because that's not really that well defined usually uh in order to get hired um but it is often the case that the founders or the hiring, the people who do the hiring will affect who's chosen. And part of it will be because they're like, I like this person. I think they can do the job. I'm convinced by them. Like that super does happen. Um, I don't think, uh, I think like, I'm trying to think of the people that we hired and I don't really remember interests coming into it that much. I mean, like Nina, um, she makes her own, you know, small games all the time. And we thought those were great. And so if those count as an interest, then that was basically like the reason we hired her is because she had already made so many amazing, like small personal games. Um, I don't know if that counts, uh, but that counts. That counts. She's interested <laughs> in doing it and it was on the side. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think especially within an indie studio, uh, people who do really well. And this kind of goes back to how, 
success in AAA doesn't guarantee success in indie and vice versa. Indie success doesn't really make you a, a great fit in AAA. Those are totally yeah. two different domains. And uh, if anything, what has been true for people who thrive in smaller indie groups or are people who actually spend time after work doing side stuff and then falling into it. It seems like they're able to juggle different disciplines better, uh, project management, less less management uh, overlooking you. Like it's more self-dependency. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, that follows up with my question, which is uh, when it comes to people, right? Hiring up in East studio, even growing up s- slowly, there's a lot of variables uh people (laughs) as variables either one day they're happy one day they're not happy one day one is awesome by themselves but when you put them together with other people that you think are awesome they're not awesome together so these are the types of things i'm probably sure that you're dealing with now being a, a founder of the studio and you're more moving into the management role how do you prepare for that? I mean, do, is it more, I think we touched this a little bit on the podcast, but like, I uh, would love for you to share it with everyone that's watching right now. How do you mitigate yeah. risk and problems with people? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's definitely like, you definitely need to keep an eye on how people are getting along. Um, I We also do uh, one-on-ones. So in case there are, you know, major problems. We hear about them from people before hopefully they get too big. Um, But like, yeah, you have to keep an eye on things. You have to help people learn to communicate better. Like you have to teach them the skills. Like you have to learn to listen and determine where the problem is actually coming from and catch it when one of those problems happens and talk about it with the people involved and, People can, we're perfectly capable of getting along and doing good work together. It's just a matter of paying attention to the things that matter to people and trying to, <laughs> nobody, nobody's going to like kill each other at our company. So like most of the stuff is relatively minor, like, ugh, that doesn't sound like they believe I, you know, know what this concept is you know or whatever and it's just sort of like small things um but you know people you can always improve like everybody in the world can always improve their communication and like um sort of i don't know positivity i guess sounds like the flakiest thing i've ever said in my life no no don't worry uh we're gonna give you more opportunities to answer questions so i've got two for you here i'm gonna just rapid fire them for you uh first one is from xx stevie ocean xx uh what's the most important thing if you hire somebody uh focusing on terms of knowledge so what skill sets i guess are you primarily looking for when you're hiring somebody um i mean this is okay so leaving aside the obvious like uh you know what we're hiring the job whatever that job is like presumably yeah presumably like if we're hiring them as a programmer then they need to know how to do that that kind of thing which i assume you're asking about something else um yeah nowadays when it comes to having a partially remote team communication is the thing like i i need to they have to like respond quickly to communications they have to be super willing to just talk about what they're working on and put stuff forth um i think that yeah being 
a good communicator and clearly putting time and effort into that is a really, really positive thing. All right. And next question comes from, looks like, let me see, Abelard. <laughs> Abelard. I love Forgive it. me if I butchered the name. Super sorry. That's a great name. Uh, E.A. Ballard. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> What's your thoughts on leveling up without the AAA company? Do you know of a great way to get direct learning without the AAA incubator? Oh, man. Uh, no. Um, uh, co-working space, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could conceivably work. Um, but that's... It depends on what you want to learn. And it depends on yeah what you have access to. I think uh, if you want to learn like business running skills, you might be able to do that in a co-working space uh, of some sort. There are game like there's sort of game centric uh, co-working spaces. Like I think uh, Yanaman runs one in San Francisco uh, or used to. Um, and there's like I don't know. There's some in a lot of major cities um, where people like indies can just show up and use a computer and make games in the same Mm. space as other people that stuff could be really useful because you can just turn around in your chair and be like hey will you look at this and tell me if it sucks or or like you know whatever or will you you read this email to my publisher over before i send it you know stuff like that um that can definitely help um other than that yeah let me think how would i want to learn it's like that's my primary way i'm like i know it's like easiest and there's yeah. so much like you have access to when you're in AAA, and so i'm like this is clearly the right way but yeah what would i do if i if i didn't have that um it's a good question that's that's hard yeah that's the co-working space or something is the best thing i can think of but that's you're right that's rough yeah do you guys have uh, any ideas for that what would you do if I didn't have access to AAA, I guess, I mean, 2019 tells me I would go to like community colleges that are online, like YouTube. I always brag that YouTube is the best community college in the world because you can learn anything at any time and be a part yeah, of a man. community in that same thing. So I, I guess true. I would seek tutorialization, uh, like online schools <laughs> or even like programs like that, like six week that's boot camps. Like, that's the best I got. That's like skills. I yeah. mean, that's, I, that that's the i mean i i totally agree that that's a that's a smart way to start but i feel like it's really easy to run into that wall where you're like i'm stuck i don't Mm. know how i'm stuck and there's no one i can directly ask you know what i mean polycount and art station maybe the next two like find those like refined communities maybe might be a next well i mean definitely going to those conferences uh e3 game developers conference uh any of that source that has like a bunch of developers around but it's also like hard to to network without having an in right you can't just randomly walk up to people because we don't like that (laughs) we don't like random people coming up to us uh, unless i know you uh but it is tough you have to somehow get and be a part of community somehow i know there's a lot of local places that have meetups uh that's a good way to do it uh that has similar interests there's a lot of vr meetups there's a lot of like uh meetups that just they just go to a bar and start talking it might be something like that um I think, yeah, not attacking a group is probably the best way to do it. Try to latch onto one person that has similar interests that likes you enough to start, you know, opening up your network 
uh, in that way. It's like, I'm trying to do something. Is that something you're interested? Oh, I actually know this person. And I think that's a spark that usually helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. if you go, it's actually going to GDC uh, and blinking trying to target people uh it's going to be a lot tougher than going to these smaller bars around your local area and and striking up a conversation and you know play a game of basketball and and, you know gain a gain a friend uh you're super right local meetups is really smart that's a good call that helps well gda yeah that helps so uh we're 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 at that point uh carla so we we definitely uh the screen Follow Farah Carla at her Twitter handle right there at Zesty. Uh, have start a conversation with her to yep. say how awesome her talk was. Twitter, thank her. Uh, follow Fulbright. Definitely go look into the games that they're working on and play games. them. Uh, really, really, like, they will make you feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's one thing that I think their company brings back to the game industry is feelings. Yes. So... It's pushing the medium. No, seriously, I give credit where credit is due. You guys are pushing the medium in ways that I'm appreciating, and I think that more developers should take note of, or even fans of games. Mm -hmm. So definitely go check out what they've been working on. If there's anything else you want to plug that we haven't yet, Carla, this is all yours. I don't have anything to plug. (laughs) (laughs) What I can say is, uh, again, Carla, thank you very much for being a part of the first ever GDUX I, I, I want to say G-Dux Expo, but it's, I should just say G-Dux because the X stands for Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway, oh, this is the first ever Game Dev Unchained Expo. Never problem. Yeah, oh. so you are part of this, and thank you for making it possible by sharing your wisdom and expertise with our audience. Always another shout-out to our audience for being cool, for being interactive, asking great questions. Uh, our moderators yeah. for spending their time just the same amount of time as us to go through all the comments and pull out the good ones that we read. And lastly, Brandon, who keeps the lights on around here? Uh, us. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, Carla. Uh, it was great talking to you again. Uh, we wish to continue this conversation. And, and everybody, please, please, please yeah. go visit Fulbright and check out the good work that they're doing over there. Yay. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. And the questions were super good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>